Hey everybody, this is J.R. Bell with I Got Your Six Podcast, and in this episode of Season 6 of Crime Chronicles, we're going to be talking about crimes that should never happen. But first, let's get into it. It's moto time. First, I want to give out a Crime Chronicles shout out to Caleb. Caleb, guess what's up? You're the true OG. I support you in all your endeavors and whatever you do, Caleb. You are a true OG. You are in my circle of family. You are not a friend. You are family. What up, fam? Let's get into it. Remember this. Rich people, poor people, poor people like rich, rich people like poor. Think about it comes to tax time. Hey, and also when it comes to paying your bills, Rob Peter, don't pay, no Rob Peter to pay Paul. Also remember, never quit your day job while conquering the world. Achieve all your dreams. And remember, time is money. Money is time. Wasting time, you're just wasting money. We're not going to do that. This Crime Chronicle, we're going to be talking about the, we're going to talk about something that's going to be the World Monetary Fund. WMF. Or World Monetary Foundation. The World Monetary Foundation is an organization that globalizes the amount of money that we regulate. Do you know that the U.S. government has the potential concept of deregulating when it comes to gold and silver? What they do is they have so much gold that they flood the market to lower the gold prices. Then they hoard the gold and gold prices go up. That's something you need to know. Also, there's a question. Do you know... Here's something that you need to know, and I, I didn't know this until I looked it up. Do you know that out of all the presidents living in my era, because I was born in 68, so let's say 70, 68, 70, 80, 90, all those, all those years right there, only one president actually had the security clearance to look at the gold at Fort Knox. And you're probably wondering, like, what, 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 what? Because every president wants to see the gold in Fort Knox. And here's what they say. I'm sorry to tell you, Mr. President, you don't have enough security clearance. The only president is George W. George W. George Herbert Walker Bush. Bush Sr. George Bush's father. President Bush's father. The first Bush who was in office. He had the security clearance. Reason why? Because he was a CIA director. Before he died, the late, before he died, he was a CIA director and he had the highest clearance you can get. And when he became vice president, he still had, he still kept his clearance and he was still, while he was not president, he was still getting debriefs because he had that top clearance. Even though he wasn't in in Congress or anything, he was still getting briefs. Why? Because he had that top clearance. Clearance don't go away unless you give it up or you die. His clearance was still there unless you do something treason against uh, America. And they take that away from him. But he kept his security clearance. Always kept it as active. And when he became vice president, Ronald Reagan wanted to see the gold in Fort Knox. They looked at him and they said, excuse me, Mr. President, President Reagan. They said, excuse me, Mr. President, you don't have enough security clearance. His vice president said, um, I do. President, vice President Bush at the time said, you can let him see it. Yes, sir, Mr. Yes, sir, Mr. Vice President. Come on. And they showed him the gold. And he saw the gold. And he also went to New York and he looked at the gold there in New York, at the gold depository in New York. They showed him the gold there, as well as Fort Knox, because Bush had that clearance. No other president. Jimmy Carter wanted to see it. Couldn't see it. Bill Clinton asked to see it with Vice President Al Gore. Couldn't see it. Bush Jr. wanted to see the gold, but couldn't see it. He had to call his father in order to see the gold. And his father was like, why do you want to see the gold? Oh, I just went over there. Well, it's there. Trust me. I seen it. It's there. 
Take my word for it. Okay, dad. He believed it. Boom. Done. Even though his vice president, Dick Cheney, couldn't even see the gold. And he wanted to see the gold. Couldn't see it. He had to get permission from Bush's dad. And they still couldn't see it. Even even former president, even President Barack Obama, when he was in office, he wanted to see the gold. He couldn't see it. Because he didn't have enough security clearance. See, what I'm telling you is that, see, here's the problem. See, society always say, well, if you're president, you can see anything you want. Here's the crime part. Do you know that the federal government can rob you and you have no say-so? This is something that I always see this when I watch videos on YouTube. I see these videos of these, um, we call it First Amendment audits and stuff, and, and how people, if you know your rights, and the cops will say, well, that's not a law, and this and that. Here's the thing. 99%, 99% of all law enforcement, I say 99%, we'll, we'll make it down, we'll lower the number, 99%, we'll go, 75% of all law enforcement officers don't know the law. A lot of those cops don't know because when they go to the academy, the academy is what you call to get you in, to get you trained, and to get you out there on the streets. Not, not of those cops don't know the law. A lot of them don't. Now, 25% of them, they know the law because how they know the law is some of those cops, while they are in uniform and working, some of them go back and get law degrees. Some of them go back and study the law so they know the laws and know the rights and stuff. Some of them go back and study. So they go back and study the law so they know how to better to better improve their job. So they go back and they get a degree. Some of them go back and get a bachelor's degree in law, bachelor's degree in legal and legals and stuff, and legal matters and stuff, law and stuff. Get a bachelor's degree in law. Some get a master's degree because they want that as a backup plan. So a lot of cops, so, so it's 25%. So that, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a fair, fair share number. So they get that and they, and they study and they learn and they, and they want to know the law. So they study and they know that. There are some cops that actually know and there's like, because when you get promoted, you got to get a degree. See, in order to become a corporal or sergeant or a lieutenant, meaning you, in order to become a supervisor um, or a commander or a chief, or a captain, you gotta have you gotta have a degree. You gotta go back to school. So a lot of those guys go back to school and they take up criminal law. They take up criminal justice, a ministry, a criminal justice, criminal law. So they study that to learn about police science, mil- police science, criminal law stuff. Not not military science, but some some of them and some cops. This is the ones you know that um, that actually know their job really well. Some of them, some cops have been in the military. Those cops who have been in the military, those are the 25%. Because they know in order to get an advancement, they have to study. They have to go to school to get an education. So some cops, I mean, honestly, to be honest, the crime part is that cops don't get paid enough. A lot of people, I, a lot of people always ask me, man, you hate cops. No, it's not that I don't hate cops. I, I always tell people, I don't hate police officers. What I hate is that a cop who doesn't make enough money because look if you're a young rookie cop out on the streets right you got you got you're, I'm gonna tell you a cop is like being in the military I'm gonna honestly tell you they're so similar it's just that one gang is bigger one gang is better than the other and that's local law enforcement when I tell you that you got these rookie cops that come out there and they're out there on the streets and stuff and then they got they got uniforms and stuff. They got to go get laundered and stuff. And then they got to have a, then they got then they got to put money in gas tank because if you're, if you're in a car, you're, you're you're riding with your partner, 
you, you, you're not, you haven't been in, you haven't been in long enough to have your own personal car. So you have to ride in with someone else. And then you got to get receipts and you got to have money because you got to go put gas in the car. And, and within, say for instance, y'all two go eat. Y'all, y'all hungry. Y'all stop in this restaurant. You got to park your car. You got to park your car and you got to leave it running. You got to park your car, lock the door and leave it running. Because why you have to leave it running? So just in case if you have to go to a call, you can't just get in and start it up. In certain areas, in certain communities, police officers have to turn the car off. But in major cities, they keep their car running so they can get to where they're going because it's an emergency. And we understand that. And sometimes police officers have to park their car. I watched a video where a cop literally went to go get something to eat. He had to park in the handicapped parking lot. And someone said, you can't park there. He says, I'm just getting something to eat. I will be gone. I have to park. I got to park here. Look, look, my car's running. And they were like, well, we did that. We get a ticket. Yes, you probably would. But I have to because I got to see my vehicle. There's no open space where I can't. I need to see my vehicle. That's why I'm parking there. So they can do that. That's the thing. It's weird. Cops can break the law. But when we break the law, we get hammered by the... But but nowadays, it's getting to the point nowadays that that old notion where cops can get away with stuff are not happening. There are laws, there are judges and prosecutors that are actually putting these cops in jail. Sad, they are. I watched a video on, I watched a video on YouTube of this, this judge. This cop was telling his story. And, they, and the judge asked, and the lawyer and the prosecutor asked this cop two questions. Just simple two questions. And the guy said, I don't remember. He says, well, you should remember because you wrote that in your report. Because, see, every cop has to write a report. They have to document what they do. See, just like in the military, you got to do documentation. I hated that when I was in the military. I hated when I had to do documentation. Let me tell you something. Story time. When I was in the Marine Corps, I remember I had to go, I had to, go to supply. I had to pick up, I had to pick up $100,000 worth of MREs. I had to go get some MREs because I needed that to pack to go out in the field. And I had to sign for this stuff. And I mean, my signature was on there. It said Corporal Bell. And, it, and I had to sign for that stuff. And that, that really, and I'm looking like, what the hell am I signing for? And then I needed some equipment. I had to sign. I had to read the manifest and sign for that stuff. And it irritated me because why? Because I'm responsible for this stuff. And if we lose that stuff, it falls on me. So the same thing, like I say, when it comes to law enforcement and stuff. So that was that's what happens when I was in the military. I used to hate signing stuff like that. I used to be like, let me get someone else. Let's get another corporal. Let's get a sergeant. Why don't you do it? He's like, nope. Because in the military, shit rolls downhill. And guess what? It falls on me. And I was the one going to the field. When I was in the military, I went to the field 99% of the time. When other people didn't go, they were always signing papers. They were looking at the bill. They were doing their, when they were doing their order. They were sitting there in the meeting, all the officers and the staff NCOs, they were all standing around. It was like, who are we going to take to the field? All right, let's see. They were like, oh, we took um, Lance Corporal Sutton Suds, Lance Corporal Joe Smuckatelli last time. How was food? Eh, it was all right. How was coffee? Oh, God, coffee sucked. Joe Smuckatelli didn't know what he was doing. What the hell? He didn't have coffee, ran out of coffee, this and that. Man, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want Joe Smuckatelli. I, want, I don't want Lance Corporal Joe Smuckatelli. They were like, all right. What about Corporal, what about Corporal, um, what about Corporal, Corporal John Doe? Nah, Corporal Doe, I don't want him either because, oh my God, man, that Corporal right there, I mean, food was late, 
because he woke up late and shit and all that stuff. So they were pissed. And they were like, uh, what about Corporal Bell? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I want Corporal Bell. And they would say, and they would ask, what are the reasons why you want Corporal Bell? And and they, and they will, and they all, and one officer would say, on the the um, company commander would be like, battalion commander would be like, why do you want Corporal Bell? He's been out in the field three times. I don't care. I, I want him. I don't want no one else. And he say why, and he say because everything's everything's on point. Everything the foods up, foods up and running. Um, coffee's done. Coffee's out there. I mean, I get up. There's fresh hot coffee. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying. I mean. And he has breakfast ready. And he has lunch ready. And he has dinner ready. He's always on time. His time, his time management is on point. They're like, all right, well, he just came back from the field from with Bravo Company. Alpha Company's like, I want him. And I'm like, well, we got other corporals. Nah, I don't want them. Well, take this corporal. Nope. Well, how about Sergeant? No. Nah. How about Sergeant Smith? Nope. I want Corporal Bell. And that's how I spent most of the time in the field. Oh, my wife didn't like that at the time when I was married. She hated me spending all that time in the field. But hey, it was getting getting ready for war, playing war games, getting ready. I remember I went to Fort Irwin. That's up in Bar- near Barstow, California. Yeah, we went there for war games and stuff. I was rocking and rolling, prepping everything, getting ready. I had breakfast ready. I got up. I mean, I was up at 2 o'clock in the morning. I was up at 2 o'clock in the morning getting breakfast. I had the burners on. I had the, had the um, immersion water heaters going. I was out there Exactly at six o'clock, I was up. Exactly at six o'clock, I had coffee going. Coffee was done. Everything was done. At six o'clock, I was serving breakfast with my lance corporals. I had, I had, it was me. I was a corporal, and I had, I had a lance corporal, and I had a private. I had a uh, PFC, private first class. Those two guys were with me. I was up before them. I had everything half done. They just got, woke up and I said, "Y'all serve." And then clean up. And then after they clean up, I said, now y'all get ready. We start prepping for lunch. Even though we, we had to serve lunch, we had to make hot lunch. We made a hot lunch that day. We, we, made, a, we, made, a, we made a lunch. Hot lunch is for the officers and the staff and COs that were at the, C, at the CP. That's the command post. CO, the command post. That's where the officers were at. I made hot lunches for them. The, all the other Marines, they ate MREs. So we had packed MREs and we sent them out there and they got the MREs off the, off the truck, off the Hummer. So that's what I did. I turned around, dinner comes, I made hot meals and the hot meals were packed in the Cambros and we shipped that stuff out there in the hot Cambros, water prepped, everything got ready. They had hot water. They had, they had good coffee. See, they had good coffee. I didn't use that old, I personally packed, Folger, I personally packed. I personally packed four big cans of Folgers, medium roast, medium dark, uh, medium dark roast coffee, and I would make that Folgers coffee. I would make that instead. That cheap, that cheap um, government coffee with the little half moon on there. Psh, I didn't use that. I bought Folgers. I made Folgers, and the officers liked that, and the staff and COs liked it, and the Marines liked it because they said this coffee tastes better than that other crap. That other crap stuff that I, they normally serve. So I would serve the good stuff. Reason being is because I had a belief system. Because I drink coffee. I want a good cup of coffee in the morning. Or in the evening or at night. Mostly in the morning. I would make that. And I would make the Kool-Aid. Ugh. Bad Kool-Aid. I would make the good Kool-Aid. I would make some good lemonade. When I made lemonade, I actually brought a big bag. Whenever I had to serve lemonade, I only served lemonade um, three times. So I brought enough lemons when I used the lemonade, like the Lipton, um, like that um, country time lemonade, I would actually slice lemons and put sliced lemons in there. I would water it down and slice lemons in there. And I would use sugar. 
and I would make two different types of lemonade. I would make the powdered kind, and then I would make the regular kind, and I would serve both because I would run out. When I served dinner, I would serve the, the lemon, the um, powdered kind, which was, I made it good because I fixed it so it wouldn't be all tarty and nasty. Put some lemons in there, throw some sugar, made it sweet, sweet enough to where it's good, boom. And then the officers needed, because if you need to take a bath, I had eye heaters. I had, immersion, I had an immersion water heater, which is a big giant trash can with a big giant donut thing with a flute, like a smokestack flute that sits in there and it drips um, heat, drips um, white gas. And that thing goes down and it boils the water. I had boiling water for them. Them guys ate good. Them guys were eating good and they were, they were taking good hot bath. They didn't sit out there and freeze, taking a, two canteens and stuff. No, they had hot water. I made hot water for those people, for those staff and CEOs and those officers. And for anyone else who wanted, because I had a rule of thumb. I had a real thing. I had the bartering system. We traded. I wanted something. I wanted good. In my, because I wanted something good. I needed something good. Boom. I needed a, I, I, I knew motor T. I needed a ride back to the PX. Because I I if I run out of coffee, I want to ride back to the PX. I get a, I get a ride with the Hummer. I'd be like, hey. I go, I go to motor T. I see a driver. Hey, can you give me a ride back to, to, the, to the base? I need, I need to go back out of the field and go to, go to the PX. I need to get some, I need to get some, some more Folgers coffee. For, for the captain For the company commander You know, for the captain Maybe like, okay, for headquarters captain He's like, alright Or I need something for the lieutenant I need something for the staff I need something for the gunny And for the staff sergeant And for the first sergeant I need it for all of them Boom, boom They said, okay, go ahead Boom, boom I, I made sure We ride back I take care of him You know, I, I got you tonight I'll get you some hot water so you, can have a, so, you can, so you can have a nice hot bath I had a big, huge tank Called the called a, um, Iron Mice Called an MK it's called a mic. It was a big tank tub. You fill up and you put cans in there and it boils them. Because we had a lot of food that was already pre-cooked and we just put them in cans and open them up and serve them. But when I did that, I would always bring my spices. I'll bring my flavorings. I'll bring my spices, my salt, my pepper, my sugar, that sort of spices. Then I would bring my flavorings, like the basil, the thyme, the oregano, the allspice and stuff like that. I would throw some stuff in the chili powder and stuff and make it, you know, make the food Make the food palatable, but make it taste like if it was back at the um, chow hall, back at the um, base mess hall. I call, you know, I did stuff like that. You know, that's what I did. I made stuff like that. I made food edible, not just you're just eating it and it's all bland and stuff. Mashed potatoes were the powdered kind, were the powdered kind. I would throw, I would throw some butter in there. I would, we had powdered butter. We had. We had butter, powder, powdered butter. It was, it was, yeah, we had it in the can. And I would throw that in there with some powdered, with some um, powdered milk. Whip the milk up, put the butter in there, whip that up in there, throw it in the thing. And I had salt and pepper and I had a little garlic and the, the mashed potatoes were good. With some bait, with some um, parsley flakes in there and it was really good. People sat there, they ate the food, they enjoyed. They actually complimented how good the food tasted. It tastes like back at the, back at the chow hall. That's what they did. And those, that's what I'm talking about. See, that was, that's, that's about me. That's what, enough of story time. That's what happens when I was in the military. And I, and I followed orders and did rules and stuff. Let's get back. Now, when I talk about, like I say, about the crimes and stuff, listen, people always ask me about how in law enforcement, we, um, in law enforcement, these cops and stuff, they have a worse job. Seriously, they do. And we're not going to say bad things, but the government is the biggest crime there is. Do you know that I saw, I watched a thing on the History Channel called Drug Inc. And they talked about the drug dealers and the drug dealers, the drug users, 
and law enforcement. It was from all three perspectives. It talked about how the drug dealers talked about how they smuggled drugs into America. One guy was a drug runner. He was a mule. He was called a mule drug runner and he said how how the drug cartel would get the drugs here in America and basically what they did was they would say we 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 put in 10 trucks let's say 10 trucks full of drugs they said 10 trucks are going in with drugs out of the 10 trucks five would have very little drugs in there and five would be fully packed the five that had the little drugs would get stopped by border by customs because they don't know which trucks but the cartel know which trucks to send in and they will get stopped. Those five will get stopped. The other five will be going through. We'll get, we'll get, we'll go through. And those five that go through will have all the heavy drugs because they knew that they, they knew about the casualties. They knew about the loss, caught the loss, cost. So they expected to lose maybe half their load. So they, so that's why they sent so much. And then the, and then the, um, when the drug dealers, when the drug cartel sends it over the mule, he goes to a stash house. Stash house is somewhere. It's some either like. One trucker, one guy says he drives a truck, he drives a semi-truck to a truck stop. He'll pull up to a truck stop and he would get out and he would, you know, park his truck and he, he would stand, he would go inside and he would eat. And he would, a guy would, he sort of, some guy would come in and ask for, will come in and hand him an envelope. The envelope will be his pay, his rate of pay. He would take that money and he would... He would take that money, that envelope, that's the money, and he would leave. The guy would take the truck and drive off. He, he would be in a, there would be a car waiting on him. He would take that car to whatever destination he needs to go to. Because he said, I go to an um, undisclosed location where his car, his personal car is at. And he would get out, park that car, lock it, park the car, put the keys in the car. He would put the keys in the car. And he would leave them in the car. He'll put, the, he'll put the keys on the floor in an envelope. He knows, put them on the floor in an envelope under the mat, under the driver's side, under the mat. Then he will get in his personal car and he will go home. And he got paid. He said he don't talk, he don't do anything, and he was said, I'm an honest person. He said, the only reason I did it because I need the money. And I made money doing it that way. He said, that's what I did. I was a drug mule. And I did that. And he says, and once you become a drug mule, he said, you can't get out. And then it showed about the users, how they say, if a person, if a drug dealer is selling some drug, like let's say selling a drug and that per and a bunch of people are dying, people think that drug is fire, so they go to him. Reality is he's killing people. And, and don't buy drugs and don't sell drugs. You don't want to do that. That's a wrong thing. And if you're trying to be into that lifestyle, don't do it. Because I'm telling you right now, you will go to jail and you will not get out. If you are a person of color, you're black or brown, psh, they're gonna hang you. If you're white, yeah, they'll hang you too. But you might get a lesser hanging lesser sentence but you will get you will still get charged and you don't want to be in a federal pen and you don't want to be in a state's pen if you're in statesville it's a state penitentiary i'm telling you right now a lot of these penal like i did i did a podcast earlier i did an earlier podcast and i talked about the prison system how a lot of these prisons are a lot of these prison systems are ran by contractors you know like cca corrections corporation of america they changed their name and and stuff like that because they had to there was in legal matters because they were they had like one guard one CEO getting paid minimum wage to oversee 200 people in a, in a, in a pod, in a floor, in a pod, one guard, and then have one guard in the tower, in the control room. So you got one guard to oversee 200 people. How is that? That's, that's, in, that's, that's insane. 
And these guards are not getting paid enough money to deal with all that BS, the fights and everything. And then you, then you had some prisons where these contractors were so shady. Contractors were so shady. The COs were sitting there having Hunger Game fights. Guys were there having Fight Club, talking about, hey, yeah, come on, you bring him out. Yeah, oh, you, oh, you, oh, you wanted this and that, and then they sit there and be like, look, beat that guy up. I'll give, I, I'll get you some McDonald's. Shit, I'm in jail. Okay, boom. I beat the dude. Oh, and I'm not getting charged? Oh, shit. Boom, done. I'm done. You go in there and start beating the guy up. They go in there and fight. They're fighting like fight club. Winner gets winner gets McDonald's. See, stuff like that. That's what I'm talking about, the shadiness and stuff of, penal, of the penal system. Do you know in certain countries, prison is like non-existence? Like, like, in, like over in Europe, there are certain countries where the prisons over there are so nice look like you're in a college dormitory there was one prison it's a minimum security prison but it's a yeah minimum security prison all the inmates all the inmates have jobs they in their in their in their cell they have a kitchen where they can cook their own foods and they have a tv not a they have a color tv a flat screen and they have cable because they pay for it and while they're there they're paying rent the inmates are paying rent to rent that jail cell yes they get a job they pay rent and they're living the dream get up they go out to work every day they come back they check in and everything none of them escape they just do their time and they sit there and watch tv they eat good food everything when they come in they get searched like the normal prison because it's a prison and here in america that's only for white collar crimes there's a, um, there was a place in Louisiana. It was a prison in Louisiana that was for white collar. Guess what it was? It was a motel, resort motel type. And you know what the fence was? A white line. Everybody in there, white collar crimes. Now, right now, we have the level, we have a supermax prison. That's the one, and there's one in Marion, Illinois. That's a supermax, it's level seven. That's like, the, that's like I mean, pretty much, that's hard. And then there's one in Colorado, Supermax in Colorado. Those two right there are the two that I know of. There's probably another one. There's probably more. But those are two maximum federal prisons. One in Merriam, Illinois, Merriam Supermax, and the one in Colorado. That's Supermax. And when I say they're Supermax, like the Falcon and the Snowman. John Gotti was in one. Um, all those, those guys who did those serial killers were put in there. Um... What, what, what else? Um, and I mean, that's hard. That's like super max. That's like the... And, and it's underground. The one in Merriam, it's underground. That prison's underground. And the other one is so, so like Fort Knox. It's so tight. Not even a roach can get in there. That's how tight that place is. Even the janitor carries a gun. That is massive. Even the cooks carry guns. Yeah. That's how super it is. Now... The maximum prison that I've seen in the world, the one that was really hardened and super tight, was the one I saw in Siberia, Russia. I watched a video on that one about that prison, how all the inmates, when the inmate gets taken out of a cell, he gets his head, he gets out, he gets shackled, he gets a pillowcase. I call it a pillowcase, but it's some kind of blanket or pillowcase over his head. Dark color pillowcase, head bent down. He's walking with a guard in the front. Two guards on the side and a guard in the back with a dog. And that's how they transport them. 
from point A to point B. If he has to go outside for like recreation or something, they all transport him like that and they go outside and then they bring him like that. That's how they're transporting. Yeah, that's hardcore. Yeah, and, and no one's ever escaped from that prison. Because if you escape, you're not brought back alive. You're brought back dead in a, in a box or in a body bag. That's in Russia. That's hard. And then you go down to like say down in South America, prisons down there, they're not, they're not like here. In America, our prisons are co-ed. Our prisons are gender co-ed, meaning that there's a women's prison and there's a men's prison. In LA County jail, they have a men's prison, a woman's prison, and a prison for the LBGTQ LBGTQ plus IA prison. So, I mean Todd for them. They did that because they had so many trans and people that are non-binary whatever got in trouble identifies this and that and boom you're put over there yeah they have that cell for them and then they have a woman's prison and, and a woman's pod and stuff they segregate it that's the only place i do know i know a lot of other cities do that but la that's i saw that documentary on la prison and how they did that yeah see what i mean and i'm telling you this is just madhouse and the crime is just a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are sitting in jail that have, that should never be there. There was a, there was a case where a guy, he was in a, he was in Georgia in Georgia prison for 50 years for a crime he did not commit. The evidence was so terrible and botched that after they finally got the Innocent Project, shout out to them. The Innocent Project is a group of lawyers who work pro bono on your case. But they have to raise money in order to get the evidence because they got to hire people to do the investigation. And they got to hire other attorneys to look over the case and get a bunch of legal, bunch of paralegals to do the case. So they got to pay these people to do that. So they go around having fundraisers and stuff. Shout out to them. The Innocent Project is a great program. Every state has an Innocent Project. There's like Innocent Project California, Innocent Project Oregon, Innocent Project Washington. Every state has an Innocent Project program. Every state does. Uh, I'm not sure about Puerto Rico, but you know, hey, tweet your zone. Hey, Puerto Rico prison, yay, that prison right there is old school. When I say old school, that's old school prison down there. That's a hardened place. Yeah, and they don't tolerate. I think they tore it down and put a new one up. I think they built a new one, but I think it's still old one still there. Yeah. But like I said, that's what I'm talking about when I say crime. And you have to have this innocent project in order to get you out. And this guy got out. He's been in there 50 years for a crime he's never committed. Guy was guy was on his way to college. He was on his way to college. Mistaken identity, and they just pinned that on him. Kid was a football star. Could have been somebody. Could have been a could have been in the NFL. But who knows? He ended up going to jail for a crime he never did. And when they finally released him, <clears throat> all he said was, I'm out. But then the problem is, when you go, you can't even, you couldn't even get a job. The state gave him the bare minimum amount of money that they required to give him, which is like a couple of million. But that's, that's going to be gone really quick because you didn't, you have not built up enough social security or enough money in your pension to live so how are you going to survive you don't know how i mean just seriously you don't know how that's going to happen and how they're going to do it you don't know how and that's just sad you know and there's more people in prison there was a guy right there was a guy that was went viral for this he went viral for this he was telling these guards i am innocent he was at right he was at rikers in new york 
said I'm innocent. I have not been charged. I'm innocent. Sat there. Hasn't been charged. No, they booked him. Hasn't went to court at all. He's waiting to go to court. Sat there in prison. Sat there at Rikers Island for four years. Before they realized that they haven't even charged him. He was there for something petty. And he sat there for four years. Kept saying, I'm innocent. Why am I here? I'm just here for a minor thing waiting to go to court. And, they ju- and the guards were like, whatever. Everybody says they're innocent. But when they f- and then when he got out, he filed a class action lawsuit against the city and won. And he sued. He, and he civil sued every guard that treated him bad. The, the, the policeman's union was like, we're going to appeal this. But they had no, but they had, but they couldn't. They had to pay. And they hated that. They had to pay. City said they had to pay. And he civil sued all those guards and all those guards had to fork over that money. And their union reps were pissed, had to fork over that money. I'm just telling you, like I said, crime like that should never happen, but it does. So I'm going to tell you right now, to each and every one of you out there, um, if you just do, do me, do me this one thing. If you're, listen, I'm going to give you a tidbit. Then I'm going to cut this short. Yeah, I'm going to cut it real quick. Do me this right here. If you're ever driving, if you're driving in your car, all right, if you're driving in your car and you get pulled over by the police, first thing I want you to do is calmly make sure your seatbelt, if you don't have, make sure you got your seatbelt on. When your seatbelt's on, sit there. Turn your car off. Just turn your car off. Pull over as quick as possible. Make sure you're not in danger. Crack, you know, and just crack your window. Crack your window to not all the way down, just crack it. Then, turn around, you just listen. Cop walks up, as he asks you all kinds of questions and stuff, and start asking you, you know, I need this, I need this, I need you, can you do this for me, I need to see your ID. You politely ask him, you tell him, you say, hey, officer, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to reach in my wallet, if you are a man, if you're a woman, I'm going to dig in my purse, and you politely tell them. This is what I'm going to do. You say, officer, I'm going to dig in my wallet. Okay? He'll he'll either tell you yes or no. If he says no, don't move. If he says go ahead, you politely get in your wallet. You hand him your driver's license. If he says I need your insurance, you say my insurance is in my glove box. I'm going to reach over and get it. You reach over and get it. If you have to lock it, I'm taking my key out of my ignition. I'm going to unlock my my glove box and I'm going to pull out my insurance. You find your insurance. Whatever you do, don't be like these dumb people. I'm telling you right now. Don't be like these dumb people. There's some dumb people I've seen on, on YouTube where they can't find their insurance because insurance is all piles of paper. No, no. Make your insurance is so accessible. Put it in a little Ziploc bag or in a little holder, like a like an ID holder or something for your insurance. Put that where you can actually grab it so you know exactly what's in it. Wear your insurance. Don't be sitting there trying to deal with paper. And don't ever, don't do this. Don't get all belligerent with the cops. Trust me. It's going to make it worse for you. Now, if they're getting belligerent with you, if they're raising their voice and they're all heated up at you, first thing you do, you sit there and calmly tell them. You calmly, you don't raise your voice to them. If they're raising their voice at you, don't raise your voice at them. Don't ever do that. Because that'll get you in, that'll get you locked up. Or that'll get you shot. I'm trying to save your ass. I'm not trying to get you killed. Just calm. Calmly, quietly, calmly, to the point. Now, give all that stuff to him. Now. If you know you haven't done anything wrong, don't be sitting there arguing, going like, uh, officer, I don't have to give him my, I know my rights and I ain't got to do that. No, no. Give him your driver's license. Give him your insurance. Okay? Because you're the driver. If you're a passenger, 
You don't have to give that to them. And if you're the passenger, make sure you quote the Hybel law. It says, you go like this. And the officer says, hey, how you doing over there? Is that your partner? Who's your partner right there? Uh, who's him? And then he goes around, taps on the window. Hey, roll your window down. And, he, and, your, and your driver rolls the window down. And he goes, how you doing? You got, can, I, can I see your ID? Can I see your driver's license or ID? You need to say, um, officer, um, I don't have to show you. Um, I don't have to show you my ID due to the Hybel law. That's Nevada, Hybel versus Nevada. It says that I don't have to show you because I am not the driver. That's all. I just want to know who I'm talking to. You don't need to know who you're talking to. Unless you suspect me of a crime, is this a Terry stop? And you ask him, is this a Terry stop? Do you suspect me of a crime? And if he says, well, right now I'm doing my investigation. I'm not, we're not talking about investigation, officer. I'm asking, do you suspect me of a crime? Do you suspect me committing a murder? Do you suspect, do you suspect me of robbing a bank? If, if, ha, do you? And if he says, well, yes, I do, then you need to say, then you go, well, I don't have to, I'm, I'm terribly sorry. I'm going to invoke my right, invoke my Fifth Amendment right to right to remain silent. And then you remain silent and you don't move. Don't be sitting there digging around for a cigarette or trying to get your blood or your, or your vape or whatever, whatever. No, you sit calmly still looking straight ahead and you don't say nothing because the person that's the driver is going to do all the talking for you. So you don't say nothing. Okay. You keep quiet. Now you're the driver. You give up that, you have to give up that stuff because that's the law. Okay. Now, here's what you do when they run everything and, and, and you ask them, you're in a nice way. You don't be mean about it. You go, excuse me. When he's done, he comes back and hands it to you and stuff. He goes, he says, I have a question. I'm, I just have a simple question. Um, it, what was the reason why you stopped me? I'm just curious. And he, and he tells you the reasons why. Okay. So whatever the reasons why. So. If you don't get a ticket, he says, I stopped you because you made an improper change move. What I want to do is I'm going to give you a warning ticket. You say, thank you. Take that warning ticket. All right. Get his information and stuff. Ask him his name and information. If you've got a cell phone, just say, um, hold on one moment. Grab your cell phone. Put the phone down. Don't don't, don't get him on camera because you're going to piss him off. I'm just trying to save you from getting killed. Just put the phone down. Hold it down in your lap and say, what is your name? Say your name and spell it. And your badge number, I'm not gonna videotape you. I'm not gonna video, I just want your audio. Just say, hey, I just want your audio. I don't want your name, I don't want your face, I just want your audio. And then he'll give it to you. I mean, pretty much you gotta work with them. Trust me, work with them. And once they give it to you, you say thank you. And then when you're done, when he's done saying it, you need to say the day. You need to say it's like um Tuesday, say Monday. Monday the Monday, July 11th, it's 9:15 p.m. or a.m. Whatever time it is, say the time and day, and then leave it like that. All right, and that's all you gotta do. And then remember where you at, say where you was at. When you're done, all right, and if he just gives you a warning ticket or whatever, you can go down to the police department and have that record taken off. You just file a piece of paper and have it taken off. You ain't gotta deal with the cops no more. So if you ever get pulled over, they say, have you been pulled over? Be like, no. Nope. And when they run it, it'll show that, 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 that interaction will be taken off the record. That's all you gotta do. That'll actually save you, okay? That's all you gotta do. You ain't gotta sit there and be all belligerent and try to get, I mean, seriously, you're gonna go to jail. Or you're gonna get shot if you're black or brown. We're not trying to get you shot. We want you to go home safely. See, a lot of these people out there don't tell you that we need you to go home safely. Look, I want you to go out the door. I want you to walk out that door and come back the same way you walked out. You walked out the door this morning or this afternoon or this evening. I want you to walk back in that door the same time, okay? I don't want you to walk in. I don't want you to come out there all dead. I don't want you to come back and dead in the body bag. Or you're in the hospital on life support. 
and your family's all trying to figure out what happened, what the hell happened, he's a good person, and then they, and then the cops are writing up their story and saying that he, whatever, or he did something, or he flexed, and then, because they're going to, and when they do the investigation, the cops are going to, 99% of the time, cops are going to be found innocent. I'm going to tell you a little, I'm going to tell you something, I'm going to cut this short right quick. Yeah, I should have cut it short. Ooh, I'm going to say this right here. Listen, here's what you need to do. If you need to get, you need to get insurance on your kid. You need to have insurance on you, life insurance on you. You need to get life insurance on you. Because I'm going to tell you why if you have life insurance on you. When you have life insurance, if you got killed by the police officers, right? Right? You got killed by the police. The insurance company don't want to pay out that money. So what they're going to do is they're going to investigate it. Get some good insurance. Not that cheap term life insurance. Get some really good insurance and pay on it. So if you ever happen, if you ever, if your family ever happened to, you happen to accidentally get shot or something, you get killed or something, just saying if you do, and you and they look at you and they all of a sudden you get shot or whatever, and you, you die, that insurance company has to investigate the what happened. You want that insurance company to investigate the police department and they do a better job than you. And they will hire their attorneys to do that. Think about that, all right? Hey, this is J.R. Bell with I Got Your Six Podcast. And I want to tell each and every one of you, I love you. I appreciate you. And hey, this is just all, like I said, it's all about crimes that should never happen and what you've done. I just gave you some tidbits. Do that. That'll protect you. Because why I say that, it actually happened to me. I was a passenger in a car and the cops pulled us over doing a routine stop. And he was so arrogant. When he came over to me, he started, he just went right at me. All I did was I said, um, tell me, sorry, officer, um, I'm not the driver. Um, I, I'm not the driver. Um, do you know the law, Heibel versus Nevada? That says that, Heibel versus Nevada, the Supreme Court, says that you can't ask me, if you ask me for my driver, you can't ask me for my driver, I don't have to give it to you. You can't ask me, you can ask me, but I'm not going to give it to you because Heibel versus Nevada states that I don't have to give up my driver's license or my, or my ID at all. And, I'm, and, after, and after I did that, I said, I'm invoking my fifth minute right. I'm going to remain silent. I'm invoking my rights to remain silent. And then I sat there quietly. I didn't move. I didn't do anything. And that saved me. My partner, yeah, or, yeah, him, yeah. Cops got him good because he was singing like a songbird because he was nervous. And they were like, why are you nervous? I wasn't nervous because I knew I was innocent. He was innocent. But he got a ticket, a bogus ticket. He had to go to court and he had to get that taken. He went to court and fought it and won. But he had to spend a lot of money to go to court because he had the time from work and stuff. And yeah, 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 but, but, he, but he won. So that's it. All right. Now, each and every one of you, I thank you. I appreciate you. I love you. Um, I, want, I want y'all to live. I want y'all to go out today. And I want y'all to have a wonderful day. I want y'all each to have a wonderful time. And I will catch you in the next podcast. Hey, this is Yara Bell. Bravo 6 going dark.